This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Superpreneur seems like a better label for Elon Musk. At 38, he has already been a co-founder of PayPal, which sold for $1.5 billion and SpaceX, which aims to commercialize the launching of payloads into orbit. He is also an initial investor in electric car pioneer Tesla Motors and solar energy company SolarCity, which sells and services solar energy equipment. In the second half of a two-part interview, arranged by Wharton Entrepreneurial Programs, he tells Knowledge at Wharton the story of his entrepreneurial beginnings and what he learned about the value of pinching pennies. Elon, thank you so much for joining us today for Knowledge at Wharton Podcasts. No, you're welcome. Uh, I wonder if we could start with a, a question about your entrepreneurial ventures. Mm-hmm. To name just a few of them, uh, PayPal, SpaceX, Tesla Motors, SolarCity, uh, they, they cover quite a wide range, they're so varied. And I wonder yes. if there's some connecting thread among them or, or if there's some process you use to think about what kind of ventures you like to take up. What do you look for in these kinds of entrepreneurial activities? Okay, well, the, uh, I guess the common thread would be uh, things that I think will affect the world in some way, um, in, a, in a positive way. Um, and uh, that's really been the basis for why I've gotten involved with those areas. Um, not really from the standpoint of, of rank ordering the return on investment or anything like that, um, or even the probability of success. Um, but uh, just from the standpoint of these are things that I think will are important, and so um, I want to help make them happen. And that's how I got into the, the internet initially, and and then uh, electric cars and uh, space and solar, solar power. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when I was in college, there were three areas that I thought would most affect the future of humanity, and those were the internet, uh, clean energy, and uh, space exploration, in particular the extension of life beyond Earth. Uh, let's actually go back a little bit before you went to college. Okay. I, I, I've read that your very first uh, venture was at age 12, uh-huh. uh, when, when, when you created something called uh, Blasters, was that Yeah, Blasters. Right. It was just a computer game. Can, can, you, can you tell us about that experience, and did you learn anything from that experience that has stayed with you through your entrepreneurship experience? Oh, well, I mean, I, I would downplay that. Uh, my, my mother likes to talk about that. Um, but w- w- uh, when I was growing up in South Africa, you know, the computers, personal computers, were just starting to come out. Um, this was in the you know, late 70s and early 80s. And uh, I had... Um, actually one of the first computer game systems um, and it was they're sort of pre-Atari <laughs> so very primitive and then eventually upgraded to the much more sophisticated Atari um, and uh, so I, I loved playing computer games when I was a kid and <clears throat> my motivation to get into uh, to do some software programming was because I also I wanted to create games um, and that's so I I um, could, you know, could saved up money and some combination of saved money and um, bugging my father. I got to, uh, I got him to buy a computer initially, um, a Big Twenty, a Commodore Big Twenty, which had about like eight eight k of memory or something like that, um, and uh, uh, along with some books on how to program. Um, so I just 
taught myself how to program from those books, and um, and so then I, I found out that you could make money by writing by selling computer programs. So I uh, wrote one and sold. Actually, I sold two, um, and um, not for very much money, but but it was a lot, a lot of money to a kid at the time. You know, several hundred dollars effectively in, in spending power. And, and were there any lessons you learned that have sort of stayed with you, or was it just the thrill of that? Uh, uh, well, I haven't really thought if there's any lessons there. Um, I, I can't think of any, any. I mean, if you if you make something that people want, then they'll pay you for it. Um, that's probably. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah. that, that, that's, that's a really good lesson. Uh, yeah, I mean, apart from that, I. I, I um, I did you know various odd jobs like delivering papers and things you know typical stuff for a kid, um, and uh, I uh, also did did a little bit of stock market stuff when I was about fifteen or sixteen. Um, I actually did, did pretty well, um, just uh, you know making bets on some stocks in, in South Africa, and uh, but I just I just made a few bets that did pretty well. I tripled my initial tiny stake and and then. And then stopped because I just didn't, I didn't like it. Well, I'll ask, ask one more question related to the computing part, and then turn it over to John Paul for uh, uh, the, uh, the the auto industry. Uh, of course, the multiplying your money manifold is something that happened very successfully with X.com, which became PayPal. Uh, could you help us uh, understand how did you evaluate that business opportunity, and again, what were some of the lessons? That other entrepreneurs yeah. could learn from your experience. Okay. Um, yeah, I need to think more about what lessons can be drawn that uh, you know from from my experiences. Um, but I should was mentioned that there was a company that I started that predated PayPal, which was called Zip2, right. um, and um, that's that's the company that I started in the summer of '95, um, and then decided to continue doing that and deferred uh, graduate studies at Stanford. Um, and I thought that was a good sort of hedging bet strategy. You know, I, um, if worst case scenario, if the business failed, I could just go to graduate study. So it was really pretty soft landing if things didn't work out. Um, and it, and it, and I, I thought they probably wouldn't actually. Uh, if if you'd asked me, I should say no. The odds are likely that it would not. I, I would probably not succeed, and therefore I would be back. But I thought I might as well give it a try. Um, and uh, I mean, some lessons I think are spend very little money. Um, now, and that—that's a case where I, did, I had very little money, so there really wasn't any choice. Uh, I really only had a few thousand dollars. So, uh, and then my brother came down, and he actually had more money than I did. He had like several thousand dollars, um, and uh, we basically just uh, rented a, an office uh, for I think it was like four or five hundred dollars a month, some really tiny little office um, in Palo Alto, which was cheaper than an apartment. And then bought a few times uh, that converted into a couch, which was sort of like a meeting area uh, during the day. But and then we'd sleep there at night and shower at the YMCA, which was just a few blocks away. Um, and that was extremely low burn rate, um, way cheaper than a garage. Garages are way just <laughs> 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 expensive. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so we were able to sort of you know putter along for for few, for several months until we got venture funding. Um, I think that's a good that's a good lesson. There is when you're first starting out, you really need to make your burn rate ridiculously tiny. 
um, uh, don't, you know, don't spend more than you than you have, than you are sure you you have type of thing. Um, and um, yeah, so anyway, so with, with Zip2, the idea was just to try to do something useful on the internet that that other, other companies would find useful and would pay us at least enough to keep the doors open. And um, so we started off with maps and directions and uh, online yellow pages, and then we branched that into um, into publishing. Uh, so and and, and uh, interfacing with heterogeneous uh, legacy databases, particularly um, that was particularly of use to the newspaper industry, who was the newspaper industry was was mostly not online in '95 and was trying to get online, um, and uh, uh, and and they had these old mainframes. That, that had all the data and were diff very difficult to talk to. and um, So we, what Zip2 essentially did, the business model evolved into uh, helping newspapers get online and create uh, compelling websites. So we had as customers and investors, the New York Times, um, Knight Ritter, Hearst, um, a number of others. And, um, and then we ended up being acquired by Compaq in early 99. Uh, for a little over $300 million in cash, which at the time was the largest all-cash transaction for an internet company. Um, and uh, that was certainly a better outcome than I, than I had ever expected. Um, and, um, but I, I felt there was still more that could be done with, with the internet. And uh, hence, starting X.com, which evolved into PayPal. Uh, and <clears throat> getting back to your original question, the reason for so, so what, why, what was sort of the genesis of PayPal slash X.com? You know, the idea there was initially started off with, um, well, let's make a really convenient site that combines all of people's financial needs into one seamless, easy-to-use location. Um, and then we had a feature, which was the ability to send money, actually, and also securities uh, from one customer to the next. Uh, and, and then if you weren't if you weren't in the system, it would just send an invitation to join the system. Um, and at the time, it was really sort of a very simple thing, and we found people really responded to that feature. So we sort of we adjusted our focus and, and started going more and more in the direction of payments, and um, and, and and really focused on on creating the, creating a great payment system. Um, although many of the financial elements turned out to be quite important in creating that payment system um, because the efficiency of our payments w increased uh, dramatically if people kept money in the system. You know, so so we, by creating inducements to keep money in the system, such as a money market fund in, uh, that PayPal had that working with Barclays Global, um, and uh, a, a debit card that could directly access your PayPal account uh, meant that 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 those gave people re that those gave reasons for people to keep money in the system, uh, and not take it out. And the cost of a transaction to PayPal of somebody sending from their PayPal balance to another PayPal customer was essentially zero. Whereas if somebody was sending that sending money to somebody else and funding it via credit card, it would cost us, inclusive of fraud, it would cost us close to three and a half percent, or three percent, somewhere between three and three three and a half percent. So it's a gigantic difference. Um, and then the next best, uh, so and, and then uh, uh, there was also there was the ability to do electronic checks, like an ACH transfer. But those that that could take, uh, you know, two two business days 
to, to conclude, and most people, that, that, that was an inconvenience to most people. So by far the best thing was to get people to keep money in the system. So those financial services elements ended up being quite important. Uh, and in fact, I, I, people, um, eBay really should add some additional financial elements to that. In particular, uh, they should offer people checking, so you can write checks off your PayPal account and direct deposit. And then, why do you need a bank account? I, I've suggested this many times, but they don't seem to see the merit of that. For some reason, I don't understand why. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.